amen, 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 amen. We could close service and let's just get out of here and just love Jesus, all right. Oh man, it is so good to see you guys. It is so good to be in front of you guys. My name is Chris. I'm the Life Group's pastor and man, I had a privilege of being able to, to know that set for a week and I asked him to move the, the fast one to the end because man, I just wanted to come up here and be pumped with you guys this morning. I hope you guys are pumped. Whew. Man, I gotta catch my breath now. You didn't realize like when you're like, hey Chris, get in shape to preach, they said. You know, I don't know. I should get a stool or something. But hey, um, one, man, I'm just gonna pray and then we're gonna get into it, amen? All right, let's start this. Father God, thank you so much, so much, so much for this morning. Oh God, thank you for just the opportunity to just call out, to sing, to praise, Father God, to hear words, Lord, uh, that speak of our brokenness, but also speak of the opportunities to run right out of that grave. And so God, we pray, Lord, that today's word would be no different. God, we pray that as we open up our scriptures, Father God, that it would be your living word, God, the one that just reaches us deep within our hearts, deep within our souls, and leads us to a place we never thought never thought, no matter where we are at the beginning of life or end of life, that God, that you are going to take us where we need to be still. And so Lord, we thank you for that. And God, we lift this time up to you now. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Man, well, we are in a series called Summer Songs. We are going through the book of Psalms. And so my hope and my prayer for you is that you're going to just be able to just sink your, your eyes into these words and know that this is God speaking to us this morning. And so uh, I first wanna just call out that first song. One, in that song, there are so many good words where it's like you're singing it and then it's like, oh, I gotta get out of your brain. You know, you just, start, you just start wanting to dance. But there's words in there as we're all singing and as we all hear, you're hearing words like, I was buried beneath my shame. I was breathing, but not alive. I, all my failures I tried to hide and I, until I met you. And, you know, and in your, as you're singing that, I hope that there's moments where you're actually going, yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm feeling. Yeah, that's exactly where I feel like I'm at in my life. And then you get to the points where you're going, I needed rescue. My sin is heavy. Chains break at the weight of your glory. And then when I was broken, you were my healing. And then you called my name, and then what? I ran out of that grave. And I know my prayer for today is that this is my story, this is your story, this is all of our stories. But here's what ends up happening. Typically, after we finish listening to the worship music, we listen to it and we get excited, and then all of a sudden, um, I am also the, the life group's pastor here at the church, and what ends up happening sometimes is we get to those moments where we actually begin to start saying, well, wait a second. So when somebody asks you, how are you doing? Your first response is, I'm good. I'm fine, I've had a hard week, and, and we leave it at that, right? Instead of maybe going into something that when we are singing, we're going, this is an amazing song because it hits me exactly where I'm at. And instead of when we're introducing ourselves to people, hey, how are you doing? And maybe you're just going, well, you know, I was buried beneath my shame. <laughs> uh, hey, how, how's your day going? Uh, I'm breathing, but I'm not alive. Well, really, tell me more about it. Well, you know, all my failures I tried to hide. You know, and then what ends up happening is that you have this real dialogue, but the reality is, is that when we read the living scriptures, that that's where God wants us to be. 
And you know, one of the greatest opportunities as a life group's pastor is I have the most amazing privilege to be able to interact with all of you. And typically on a Sunday morning, I'm trying to work my way up and down the rows, either high-fiving, shaking, you know, kind of doing bump, you know, and saying, how's everything going? Maybe even trying to encourage you. You If I probably embarrass you at one point because I'll come alongside you and I'm like, let's do this, let's get worship going, and getting excited. But you know, one of the reasons why I love doing it is because we get to points where I'm going, God, help us put our church together through life groups by doing life together. You know, there was a group of us when we, uh, before we called, uh, changed our, our group from small groups to life groups, we were sitting in my living room and we were just kind of praying and writing words of, on, the, on the board and just saying, what are words that can describe what we are trying to do as a life group? And some of the words that came out of it and the three words that are actually on our logo and it's everything that we try to produce are the three words of one is real. That sometimes that when you're coming into a group of people, you just gotta be real. You just gotta be authentic. You just gotta get to a point where you're saying, this is me because I'm tired of hiding everything else. The other part is, is it's the word life. Because you know something, no matter what, we've gotta do life together. We have to do it engaged. We have to remember that God did not place us on this earth alone and that we need to be able to gather. And the other last word was actually is together. And again, we wanna make sure it's real life together so that you can recognize that no matter where you're at in whatever season of life you're in, that God wants you to be with other people. And as a matter of fact, in addition to our life groups and the other area that I help oversee, you saw Teresa that's standing right up here is in our area of care ministries. And in that care ministry, it stands for connect, assist, restore, and encourage because there's sometimes, there are seasons in our lives we hit areas that we just don't know what to do. And so out of that, God had birthed our care nights where we have our our marriage care, our divorce care, we have our grief share, we have areas that are dealing with mental health, we have our celebrate recovery that is able to help people through their hurts, their habits, and their hangups, and where people can come up to a podium and just be able to say, hi, my name's Chris, and I'm a grateful believer. And God is working in the areas of grief, anger, anxiety, and control. And what ends up happening is that as you start doing that, it becomes a little bit refreshing when you can introduce yourself and say, hey, how you doing? Huh? All my failures, all my failures I try to hide. But guess what? My chains break at the weight of God's glory because I know who he is in my life. And so what we start to realize that all of those groups help us when we're getting through a season, including the season that we are still actually not out of, but still in, and that is what? A pandemic season. And not only just a pandemic season, a global pandemic season. And I know most of you are going, man, do we have to talk about the global pandemic? We're not talking about the global pandemic, but we are talking about the effects of what a global pandemic can do through just our own lives personally. And I will be honest with you, I am no different because in this season, God has shown some areas of my life that he needed to reveal to me. And so as he has been working with me and over the last eight year and a half, uh, well actually my whole lifetime, but the last year and a half through this pandemic, that my prayer for all of us today is as we get through this morning, that God will allow us to match the inside of our lives with the outside of our lives. So that as we are going through whatever season God presents in front of us, we will begin to grow. 
Because the pandemic, it, it did some crazy things in me. Like I started growing out a beard and I don't always grow out a beard, but then I started going, I'm tired of this beard. And so all of a sudden you started seeing like this and I, had, I went through experimental size. So I'm, I went with the trucker look at first and you're like, I'm gonna just shave. I always wanted to look what it had chops on there. Look at that. I was like, I'm gonna try to go ahead and do that. And then I'm like, okay, maybe the chops aren't gonna work. So I kind of phased into kind of like the goatee look and saying, okay, how's that gonna look? And little, little tiny beard or, beer or mustache. I got the goat, I kind of like that, the poetic phase, you know, and started going in there. And then kind of lastly, I went into my soul patch, you know, and just like, okay. And just like, I should be able, Mike should let me preach with this soul patch on here and, and go from there. But the reality is, is that uh, we, we also, the other thing that we also discovered is like, you start looking in your cupboards, like when we moved here five years ago, and like, what is in there? We found some hair color, and guess what? We were like, hey, why not? We're not meeting anybody. So my wife decided, okay, let's go ahead. And uh, you know, you start, you start messing with your hair um, and, and inside that, and, and it didn't even happen within like, just my own family. Then we're kind of going as our own like, pastoral staff team and our staff team here at the church. We actually became exterminators. And so watch this 10 second clip of what we did during the pandemic here. Oh yeah, we found something. Sure, yeah, but behind the stain back there. And you could see I was the person filming away from what those guys were doing. And of course, uh, we gave it back to our exterminators after that. And so, uh, and so, again, you start trying to figure out just being creative and finding out what you can actually do. Um, you know, as a family, we actually learned to, uh, like, to truly appreciate what toilet paper looked like. You know, and, and it's like I've never looked at it going, Gosh, is it, is it rationing with squares? You know, what do we do with this? You know, how, how, how are we supposed to adjust with this? But you know, the, you know it, just, it just kept on going. But during the, also the pandemic, um, I developed a passion for walking. You know, because one of the things that I realized in walking was this, this thing that as I'm getting out there, one, I'm an extreme extrovert, and to keep me in is like really difficult. Like if you're in an elevator with me and you don't know me, my first thing is, hi, I'm Chris. You know, and it's like, yeah, you know, and I'm like trying to figure out your life story by the time we get up to the second floor, you know, and kind of going from there. But our street, our, our, our walking group, as we started kind of getting a little bigger, we had to create a name for ourselves. So my first thought was we were gonna create the name Streetwalkers. And our, our wives kind of said, that's probably not a good idea to call ourselves the Streetwalkers. And then we ended up coming down to, we call ourselves the Nightwalkers. Because at night, what we would do is we would like start going out for just walks. And through that process, we would actually kind of, uh, you know, we would, we would have these amazing conversations. So part of those conversations, I started talking about my struggles about being an extrovert next to talking to somebody who was like going, okay, I know you're an extrovert, you know, and, and I'm just having a full conversation during that time. Other conversations that we had, my, my daughter went into college, that for her very first year of college, and I'm going, oh, my baby, she's in college, global pandemic hits, and all of a sudden I'm like, I'm gonna go get my baby. And she's like, dad, take your time. And I'm going, I gotta protect you in, that, in those moments. The other areas that we started talking about was also, I had my in-laws that just moved in prior to the pandemic because of health issues, and we were trying to make sure that they were taken care of. Other things as we were going, as the doors shut to the building, not the church closing down, but as the doors shut, there were beginning to be a little bit of anxiety of going, oh man, God, where is my job? You know, I, I started worrying about areas of like, hey, my life groups, what's going on with life groups? If we can't gather, you know, what, what is my purpose here for the, as a pastor? 
and having no Sundays. I have not gone to Sundays for so many times. I think I have a record now, almost a year of not attending a building, which is so weird as a pastor. Like, that's kind of your calling. So you're not going on Sunday, you're like, uh, no, we did stuff, but I just wanna make sure that there's parts of it. And even including that, we also had one of our life group facilitators pass away due to COVID, and it started getting a little bit closer, and we would have conversations about that. Our Celebrate Recovery, who, who we constantly boasted that no matter what happens, if it falls on Christmas, we are still meeting on a Friday night. And then all of a sudden, we had to shut our doors and say, what are we going to do with the people who are going through any hurt, habit, or hang up in their lives? We shifted to Zoom. You know, and I don't know about you, you know, but I had to learn Zoom really quick. I had all these crazy screenshots behind me. You know, I had like uh, one with Michael Knight in the background, kind of like, hey, this is a Knight Rider, kind of doing that. I started showing some of my colored hair. I had hats on, and I was just trying to be creative. But in that walking group, we started to just really have some very deep, heavy conversations. Social media became weaponized. Election became contested. And then there just became just in an area where everything just began to create frustration. And the reality is, what are you supposed to do? So my group, we just went for walks. And it went from like a one mile walking with my dog to then we created a three mile walking together. We had this three mile loop, you know, and then all of a sudden we're like, hey, let's, let's try a city loop. So we tried five miles and we were, then we're like, hey, this is a cool five mile. I'm kind of tired walking this five mile. And then we would go on and let's create a different five mile walk. And then it was a seven mile walk and then it was a 10 mile walk. And then sometimes even our, our, our night walkers, they actually like, we had blowouts. Their shoes would actually fall off, you know, because we'd have to like figure out. And then he's like walking like, hey, I'm still walking. But you know, our shoes started to fall apart because eventually we started getting to those 10 mile walks and then we're going, hey, I wonder how long it would take to get around the city of Tracy. And it went from a 20 mile walk to a 28 mile walk. And then you're sitting there and going, hmm, I wonder how long it would take to get to Modesto from Tracy. And then we walked from Tracy to Modesto. And if you want that route, I can give it to you. It was long. <laughs> it was long. And then we thought we could do more. And then we went on, a, we attempted a 50 mile walk. And that's what this picture of my night walkers looked like was this idea that we were like, let's go for a walk and try to walk as far as I can because at some point you had to get rid of all of the things that were building up. But what we actually started to do realize was as we were going together, we were also praying for one another. We were starting to encourage one another we were starting to realize that it wasn't just about the walking and trying to kill some boredom. It was really about going together with a group of people that was safer outside, but also that we were not doing life alone. And we were being real. And we were doing it because we knew that that is what God has instilled in it. And God, as we were praying, he changed my perspective. He didn't change my circumstances, but what he did do is he began to start changing how I saw my situation. And as I began to start realizing that, man, God began to journey through that process. And you know, at the end of just that nine months for 2020, as we were trying to deal with it, we ended up on my, my phone, it ended up walking 4,364,305 steps, 1,825 miles, as we just kind of did this. How's life? Not good. How are you doing? Not well. How can we pray for each other? And I just started to realize that God was doing an amazing work. It's simply because we chose to go to God with one another. This morning, that's what we're gonna do. 
we are gonna go into a psalm where we see David going to God and what he is doing is that we're gonna look at two verses that we're gonna call a petitionary prayer, a prayer where they simply go to God and just ask God to give them him the right perspective. And my prayer this morning is that as we this morning go to God and ask those very same words that we are going to find and discover that God is gonna open up some doors to you once you have that right perspective as you are trying to reach your life, amen? All right, so let's go to this. If you can, turn your Bibles to Psalm 139, verses 23 to 24, or also just open up your abs. And I said apps, not abs. You're like, what? I can open those? So let's go ahead and read Psalm 23, 24. The verse says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. And what we're gonna do is as we kind of go before God, we're gonna break down those four simple lines. And my hope is, again, that we're gonna just be driven to a point where we're going, oh my goodness, is that what God wants me to see today? So the very first petitionary prayer from David is this. It's basically he's saying, search me. Search me, oh God, and know my heart. You see, searching can be fun. You know, right now on the internet, there are some things that you can do on the internet when you're saying, if you wanna search on for a vacation, man, that is fun, right? You're like, I'm gonna get out your phone, and you kinda go, okay, Hawaii vacation. And then you're like, what can I do? And you're like, oh, I can go snorkeling, I can go in the warm water, I can be able to hang out at the beach all day, I can do hiking, I can go ahead and drink those little kind of frozen things inside when you're stopping on road stops. And you're like, it's cool searching for a vacation, right? Whether it's Hawaii, Australia, or maybe even just going down to San Francisco. And most of you are like, San Francisco? But what you can also search for is maybe if you're like hungry and you're like, hey, where do we wanna go out to dinner tonight? And you can do a hey Siri moment. You're like, hey Siri, find the nearest restaurant near me. Or like, hey, I feel like I wanna have Mexican food. I wanna have Indian food. I wanna have Afghani food, Thai food, whatever it is. More likely it's even here in Tracy. And it's like, this is super cool when you're searching. Or maybe even better, if you're wanting to find a car and you're like, ooh, what kind of car do I wanna drive? I wanna drive something big that is gas efficient. Let me try typing that in. And maybe they've created an all-electric vehicle, you know, F-350, you know, as you start seeing that. But what happens is, is that as you start searching for things that you want to, you get really excited. But when you go to God and you ask him to search our own hearts, that's when it starts getting a little personal. That's when it gets a little uncomfortable. And I want us to make sure that you understand that this morning, I want us to be able to go to God a little uncomfortable. Because coming to you from here, and I'm gonna just pretend like this is my own little bubble space and I can't even see you because there's times where we just have to be real. We have to be vulnerable as we go to God's word together. So God knows that the heart is a key place for us to see where we're at in our lives. And the very first place that we're also gonna go where God talks about the heart is that we're gonna go to the book of Deuteronomy. And so also if you kinda keep your place in Psalm 139, and what I want you to do is I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter six, and we're gonna be reading verses four through 10. And it says this. It says in verse four, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then he tells them this, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, wow, 
There's something that was really important for God in the Old Testament for us to love him with. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. And then he goes, these commandments that I give you today are supposed to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit. Talk about them when you walk. When you're walking along the what? The road. And when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads and write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. And what we began to start realizing is that God desires for us to make sure that we not only understand that we need to love him with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, but we also need to remind the people that are in our homes and that sometimes putting them up on the walls when we can't even be able to say it or when, we, when our kids are rising, when we're going to bed, or maybe at times, you know, if you still go to Israel, when I took a trip out there, you still saw people wearing these phylacteries and they carry the first five books of the Old Testament because they're reminding themselves, saying, I need to make sure that I love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength but also as you're walking along. And I know sometimes my girls think, I'm always trying to make it, this is the hard part about being like a pastor's kid, I'm always trying to do an illustration. Can you give me some water, Kaylee? Did I tell you about the living water that Jesus brings into your life? You know, I was like, Dad, okay, I get that. But at some point, maybe one day, when I'm not here, they're going to hear, man, I remember my dad talking about the living water, but it actually coming from here. If we fast forward to the New Testament and Jesus is being challenged by the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, and they're gonna try to trap Jesus because they want to know what is the most important thing that you need to know. And so they ask Jesus, okay, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus already knows that they're trying to trap him, but he basically tells them what we know as today is the great commandment. And what we see in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 38, it says this. He says, you need to love the Lord your God with all your what? Heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and this is the greatest commandment. And so now all of a sudden, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, what God is trying to tell his people is, this is, what most is, this is what's most important in your life. You need to love your Lord, your God with all of your heart. And his heart just keeps on coming up throughout the scriptures. And David is petitioning God saying, search me God and know my heart. And it may be some people who are going, well, I don't know about the Old Testament and New Testament. And so Jesus kind of does this really cool thing as he's talking to some of his, his, his disciples and he goes and he turns to them and he starts talking about a good tree and a bad tree. And you're like, wow, I think we all can understand trees. Like I have in my backyard, I have a really gigantic 40-foot avocado tree that doesn't produce avocados. I know what a bad tree does. And he starts telling him that a good tree cannot produce bad fruit and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. Now I'm going, oh, okay, I get it, Jesus. I got a bad tree. I need to pray for this avocado tree. But then he tells them something about their hearts. And in Luke chapter six, verse 45, he says, the good man brings the good things out of the good stored up in his what? Heart. And the evil man brings the evil things out of the evil stored out of his heart. And something that I continually explain to my daughters is in, it's because it's an area that I have to do my own self-checking with 
is this final part of this verse. For out of the overflow of his heart, what? His mouth speaks. And I don't know if you've ever had said something where you're like, I didn't mean to say that. But the reality is, is that there, whatever we've been putting in our hearts just came out. And it becomes a telltale sign that maybe there's an area in our lives that we have to go to God and say, search me, O God, and know my heart. Now, the cool thing is, is that the reverse side is actually just the same. That we can also say, hey, out of the cool stuff, that you, have you ever just met someone and they're just oozing Jesus, like oozing Jesus? More than likely, that person has been with who? Jesus. And so it's a good thing and a bad thing, but it can be very revealing, and it's why David wanted to go to God and say, search me, God, and know my heart. Now, the second part, I would like to say it gets even easier, but actually it gets a little bit more tougher because the next one is he says, in, in the part of that first verse, is his, test me and know my anxious thoughts. All right, how many of you guys are test takers? Any test takers in here and just love taking tests? You're like, yeah, give me a test. I would love to take a test. I wanna see how miserable I can do on a test, right? Like, no, most of us are getting really thought, like, I, I don't even know, maybe some of you are going, is Chris gonna give us a test? If I handed you a scantron, okay, we're gonna go just do a 60-question test on the Bible. You know, you're like, <sighs> okay, how about we just do a 10-question test on how well you know Jesus? You're gonna start going, oh no, and you start getting worried. But why would David go to God and say, test me and know my anxious thoughts? It's because he knew that we had to go there. We knew that we have to not be afraid to ask the question, what creates anxiety in my life? And what ends up happening is he continues to go, now you're going, well, wait a second, can I, if, if I have to ask God to test me, can I test God? And he says, yes. Here's the cool part. There is one area that God says, if you wanna test me in this, test me in your finances. This is not a finance message, don't worry about it. But the reality is he says, you can test me in this one area. But the rest of the time, you need to go to me and say, ask God, test me, oh God, and know my anxious thoughts. Why does he ask us to test him? Because when we ask God and he reveals it to us, he reveals the areas that we put our most reliance on. And sometime in those areas, it can be really tough but here's the greatest part as we read God's love letter to us, as we read these scriptures, we see that he constantly tested his people. Moses in the desert. He tested him for 40 years, whether or not he was just going to listen to him because he could have gone on his journey within a week. And it took him 40 years, 40 years, and he didn't even get to make it. You see other areas where you're kind of seeing Paul and you see Paul getting tested and you know, you're seeing he's in jail and all of a sudden as he's in chains and he starts singing out to God and his chains break by the weight of his glory. And we see these moments where God is testing. You see Jonah in the big fish and he gets tossed. He's, going, he's saying, I do not wanna listen to God so I'm gonna go to a, this direction and then God is telling you, no, I need you to go in that direction. And during that journey, the people that were in the boat with him threw him out, he gets swallowed by a big fish, and God takes him to the place he wants him to go. Why? It's because he knew he did not want to go to a place that he felt needed to be destructed and, and, and completely wiped out. I don't wanna go to those people. But God had a different story. 
And you see, what ends up happening is that life continues to go on. And in our own journey, and my own journey as a life groups pastor, and I'm celebrating after three and a half years, I get excited about being a life groups pastor. God grows our life groups ministry, and we start hitting, you know, Pastor Mike had a goal of 1,000 people in adult groups. We, I think when I came here, we were around 200 people, and all of a sudden, we're at 700 plus people, and then a pandemic hits, and now we're at 100 plus people, and now all of a sudden, you're going, God, is my job even secure? Will the church be able to support me and my family? God, why do I keep on having this continual theme of grief, anger, anxiety, and control? And then what happens is, is that God already knows our anxious thoughts, but he needs us to go to him so that he, as we have this conversation, he says, finally, you know what's going on. And here's the cool part. I hope you realize that God wants you to see that so that he can show you his love through that. In Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven, it actually very clearly tells us that. He says, do not be anxious about what? Anything, but in what? Everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your what? Oh, there comes the heart again. We'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, when God reveals those areas that create anxiousness in our lives, what he is saying is take those things and come to me. I already know them. I even know what to do with it, but you need to take it with me. But what can end up happening is that we sometimes help, you know, we can sometimes walk away from that because we don't want to identify those areas my walking group, the street walkers turned night walkers, helped me process those areas in my life, which then helps us arrive to our third area that David petitioned to God. In, the, in your notes, you can just put, see me. But in the verse, it says, see if there is any offensive way in me. See if there's any offensive way in me. God wants us to look at our own hearts before we can begin to look at the hearts of others. During this season, if you hear the word media, or news, or social media, or Facebook, or Instagram, or anything else out there, if you start thinking about what is your reaction? Is your first reaction going, I don't know about yours, but for me, it was angry. I was like, oh my gosh, another thing. I turn this thing off. I turn it back on. Turn it off. What's going on? Turn it off. And I would have this internal war in my brain. But what I started to realize is I started getting very anxious and going, this world is falling apart. Something needs to happen. And then I started thinking, well, if they follow my plan, I'm a life groups pastor. I know how to gather people. Just follow my plan. It'd only be better if. But David's petition to God was basically reminding us and saying, see if there's any offense of way in me. Now, I don't know about you, in that process, through reading God's word, what God starts to reveal in you in his scriptures, he starts telling you, saying, listen, you get one of the famous ones, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And then you start recognizing, well, wait a second, God. I'm angry at the world. I'm angry at those people that you call the world. I'm angry at those people that are, are disrupting maybe what's going on in my life. 
And he throws out another scripture, which is an amazing scripture out of Romans 5, 8. And he says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. And here's the cool part. While we were what? Still sinners, Christ died for us. Which meant that while I was being a bonehead, while I was going through my struggles, while I was going through the things that make me angry and died for me and loved me, and found me, he is doing the same thing for the people out there that create my frustration. But we have to first go to God and say, God, search me, oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me to way everlasting, which is our fourth petitionary prayer, to lead me. As we begin to start dealing with our life circumstances and including this global pandemic, my question for you is that when we have an eternal perspective in what God gives to us, are we actually seeing that God is the alpha, the beginning, and the omega, the end? Do we see him that he is an eternal God and that when he looks at things, that he doesn't look at them and going, oh, pandemic, what do we do? Sheesh. You don't do that. He's actually looking and going, I've got a plan. And I'm going to reach people. And maybe, I don't know about you, but I started getting stirred up during this time frame, including that as a pastor for over 20 years, that I began to start questioning my calling. Now you're going, why is this guy preaching if he's questioning his calling? I don't want to listen to this guy. But here's how it happened. One, we get the reminders like Paul when he tells us to live as Christ and to die is what? Gain. That there's a perspective when you're living, an eternal perspective. And that is while I'm living for him, I'm gonna do everything I can for him. And then when I die, it gets even better. But in my calling, and when I began to start questioning my calling, I started to become afraid. Because a lot of what this pandemic did is it actually created a fear of what? Dying. And as a life group's pastor, and as a pastor who desires to gather people together, and as a pastor who's the extreme extrovert on the staff, and I'm just sitting there and I'm going, God, am I really not going to talk to people? And then my personal bubble started getting COVID. And now I'm going, should I go over there and even talk to them? And they're hurting and they're in the, one of the hardest parts of their crisis. When I found out that when our life groups, one of our life groups facilitators passed away and I'm going, God, why am I afraid to live as Christ and to die as gain? So God, why am I doing this? Why am I not able to go and talk with people? And so finally, I just started meeting with people and I would meet people with my mask on. I would meet mask off. I'd start going for walks and I'd say, I will meet you anywhere, but I don't want to stop meeting because no matter what, for me, when I searched God and asked him to look at my heart, when I asked him to test my anxious thoughts and the fears were there, and I began to start seeing my own offensive ways that I would start talking to people, that God would love me. And he would remind me saying, you know something? I have you. Keep going. 
keep talking, keep going into hospitals. That was a little scary. But God protected me in those seasons. And so what I started to realize is that all of those areas were beginning to wear me down, but he still asked me to engage in the world. And maybe God is speaking to you and saying, hey, search me and test me, see me, lead me. And in Philippians chapter three, verses 13 through 14, it says, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to take a hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And that key part is it's in Christ Jesus. The things that we do in our lives have to be in his will, in his plan, and in his way, because I'll be honest with you, there are still people that died. There are loved ones that died. There are friends that have died. But the reality is, is that it's in his name and in his way and in his way that he called me saying, Chris, no matter what, you and your calling that I've given you need to go out there. I've given you that extreme extrovert thing for a reason. And you can't be afraid, you know, and it's again, you're talking in, in, in grocery lines. How you doing today? I'm doing great. Good to see you. Okay, God bless you. But in those moments, it allowed me to go out and our disaster relief team went out and fed people in the midst of fires, that we'd be able to come alongside people who were struggling and we would deliver food. We would go out and paint benches so that way people who are sitting outside trying to get some fresh air could have a safe place to sit. And what happened is, is that we begin to saw, see a church. We fed meals to the hospital. We fed, you know, we got all these different things. We brought snacks to the police department. We were doing everything we could so that we are saying, let's get out there and do what God is. But the reality is, is that God begins to start showing us when we start opening up to what God wants, he starts showing us his character. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to now go down the back half. We're going to read through Psalm 139 from verse one. And there's a few things we're gonna call out and then we're gonna get out of here. But I want you to remember those four areas. To search me, to test me, to see me, and then to lead me. And as you do that, watch what God does through these scriptures to go, oh my goodness, God has an amazing plan for me. So let's go ahead and go read his word now, verses one through six of Psalm 139. And he says, oh Lord, here's the cool part. You have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going and, you, and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O oh Lord. And it says, you hem me behind and before, and you laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. And what, right there, what ends up happening is that God knows everything that is going on in your life, the words that you're going, because you've asked him to search you. And as he begins to search you, God starts revealing all of these areas. And I know sometimes you're thinking, well, wait a second, does God really know all of my thoughts from afar, that can get a little intimidating, right? 
And I wanna give you a really cool illustration to maybe kind of help kind of bring this home a little bit. But I want us to think about, I took a group of young adults out to a, uh, a uh, thing up in Lake Tahoe, Airbnb. And at this Airbnb, super cool Airbnb, it was like a three, four story Airbnb. And we're out there. And one of the things I noticed, like when we were sitting out on the deck, I'm looking out and going, does that tree have a camera? And like, that's kind of creepy. And then you're going out and take out the trash. And you're like, does this side yard have a camera? That's kind of weird. And all of a sudden we're coming in from the front door. And I'm like, oh, there's cameras everywhere, not inside the house. That would be really creepy. But the idea though is as you started kind of like, what's the intention behind someone wanting to see my every move? Now, now let's look at this other side. You just had this precious little baby. Oh, little junior, you know, it's like right there holding your hand. And now you go buy a baby monitor and you install the 4K HD, you know, whatever it is, high, you know, you're running like cat five wire, cat six wire, and you can see that baby and you can even see maybe, maybe for some of you even got like this pulse thing. You're like, you can see its heartbeat, you know, from the camera and you're looking at it because what happens is you're like, I love this precious baby and I wanna make sure that everything's gonna be okay. Or maybe you wanna make sure that when it starts jumping out of the crib, you're like, I need to rush over there. But what happens is that depending on how you look at that perspective, one, you're going, you don't know the intentions. One, you see these amazing parents who just wanna know their kid, that maybe when we look at God and he says, I know your every thoughts, I know the words that you're about to say, maybe you're saying, God, if you've sought me and you've searched me and you know me, that maybe I need to be okay that you know these things and God is revealing his omnipresence, that he, he is everywhere in those moments and his knowledge for us and the people around him that we need to remind ourselves that he hemmed us in, he's protecting us and he wants to guide us. And if wherever you're at and you're saying that disturbs me, then I want you to ask that petitionary prayer, search me, test me, see me, lead me. Let's continue verses seven through 12. Seven through 12 says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn and if I settle on a far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even in the darkness, will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. The darkness is as light to you. There used to be this little game I used to play with my kids. And sometimes when you're playing hide and go seek, that sometimes kids are pretty obvious. Like as an adult, you can be the, the truth adult. And you're like, I know you're behind the curtain. Psh, I see you, right? Or sometimes where they're in the blanket on the couch or in the bed, you're like, you can't find me. And you're like, you're playing the high and you're like, okay, no, where are you? Where are you? And I just remember one of the times that we actually had a foster kid and I was playing this game, like, I can't see you, I'm right here, I'm right here. But as adults, that sometimes we can do the same thing. And that sometimes in the darkness of our lives, we feel like we put the blanket over us and we're saying, you can't see me, God. You can't find me. Or maybe like, I don't want you to see me. And I don't want you to find me. And God is saying that even in darkness, I see as light. And that there's nothing that can be hidden from me. And if you're sitting there and you're going, I'm feeling uncomfortable, Chris. Then I want you to go, God, search me. 
Test me. See me. Lead me. Because what you will begin to discover is that you're gonna discover a God and his omnipresence and he's, as he is everywhere, that he sees you and he loves you and that trying to run away from God is like trying to run away on a treadmill. Have you ever been on a treadmill? I've been on a treadmill. Doesn't look like I've always been on a treadmill. But one of those things is that as you're setting it and you're kind of like, you're doing the walk, you're like, okay, that's a cool walk. But then all of a sudden you like hit it, like, oh, I'm gonna go a little faster. And you're going running, right? And all of a sudden I want a little bit more challenge. And then you kind of go up to an elevated like 15 and you're like, he does 15. No, I don't do 15. I'm just saying it's capable. I can do 15. But no matter how fast and how far I'm going on that treadmill, guess what? I'm still in the same place. That's what it's like to try to run away from God. And we can exhaust ourselves. We can even fall off. And God's going, you done? Are you done? But then he shows us how much he cares. And I love this next part. In verse 13, he says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know full well that my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in, se- in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me, my unformed body. And all the days ordained for me were written in the book, in your book, before one of them came to be. And how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. When I count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand, and when I wake, I am still with you. There is this beautiful picture that God wants us to see. There's this beautiful picture that God has knit us in our mother's womb. He knows how we were formed. He knows that as we are sitting, and now here's the, here's the reality part. The same God that knits you in his mother's womb is the same God that's forming you right now. And when God started to start revealing that to me is that sometimes you're like, oh, it's easy to just kind of say, okay, God, you, you knit us in our mother's womb. But as adults, sometimes we keep on asking the question, what's wrong with me? Why am I doing this? Why do I feel broken? Why do I feel like I'm completely separated? There's something wrong. And now all of a sudden that the same God who is knit us in the womb is still developing us and creating us and working in us. And why are we so afraid to say, I'm not doing well? You see, God is still forming all of us here. And we have to really understand that he's loved us, that we are his workmanship. We are his poem that he is writing in our hearts. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, God has good works planned on every single person here and online and everywhere. God has a great plan. But the very first thing is that we have to go to God and say, search me, test me. And here's the great part. He's like, when you show, when he reveals to you something that hurts or a pain that has happened, here's the coolest part. God says, cool, I knitted you. And there's a broken world. And we know, though, that God has created that solution plan 
but we have to surrender to him. The last part of this verse we're going to read comes from maybe another perspective where maybe sometimes when we feel like we have gotten it, you're like, man, God, I am running on high. And it was actually the same perspective that when I was looking at the news and seeing all the things of what they were doing out there was maybe what David was kind of seeing in this passage, in these last few passages in 19 through 21. It says, if only you would slay the wicked, O God, Away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them, and I count them my enemies. And can you imagine that after reading all the things that we've been seeing, and God's just first of all saying, then he goes, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. And he's like, you might want to just go back to those verses there, David. And he goes, lead me into way everlasting. Because what happens is, if we go to our world, if we go to the people that are absolutely opposite of who we are, we can miss out on what God has and a blessing. And I want to close with this. Four weeks ago, Friday, my dad passed away. Last week on Father's Day weekend, I'm like, I actually went and did a funeral service, a celebration of life for a really good friend who was also like a second father. And in addition to that, later on I find out that a really good friend who was part of my prayer group down in Oceanside also died that same day and I'm just going, God, man, what is going on? I hate what's going on in this world. But a month prior, when my dad was entering into hospice and I'm heading down to go and see him, when I, came to know my, when I came to know Christ as my Lord and Savior 30 years ago, one of the greatest wedges happened between my dad and I. And every time that I would try to bring faith into the conversation, it would create an argument. And so as I'm driving down to my dad, as I'm hearing that he's on hospice, and I'm going, God, I wanna tell him about you. There's no other time. And as we're sitting there and we're all around in the house and my brother comes and gets me and he says, Chris, dad wants you in the room and he wants you to pray for him. There's two things that could have happened though. One, I could have said, you have been angry for 30 years and have driven a wedge in my life and you get what you deserve. Or I could go to God and say, God, search me I know my heart that I'm nervous. I want to tell him about Jesus. And all God told me to do in that month was to love him, to feed him, to clean him. And in those moments, as I began to pray for my dad, I said, Amen. I didn't lead him through anything. And then my, God, my dad just began to say, God, forgive me. I believe in you. I'm sorry for all the things that I've done. And he just began to weep. And he began to apologize to everyone in the room. His grandkids were there. His kids were there. His wife was there. His ex-wife was there. And everyone in that room he began to go to. And he started sharing, saying, I'm sorry for what I've done. 
two weeks before his passing, he started asking me, Chris, can you read to me? And I began to start reading and discipling my dad. The things that I was angry about for 30 years that put that wedge, I still talked to him. We still went and did barbecues and stuff together. But the one thing that drove the wedge between him, God broke. But I was afraid to go to him because I didn't want to argue for his last thing to remember and me to remember with him. But God knew my anxious thoughts. He saw the offensive ways in me and I chose not to use them and simply just go to my dad and say, dad, I love you. And see my dad surrender his life to Christ. And then tell him the story of how I, my calling to be a pastor and to read his words in the areas where he was beginning to have anxiety. He goes, Chris, I really like that story. You should tell people about that story. And he asked me, hey, my brothers and my sisters, he's saying, you need to listen to Chris's story. And my dad became an evangelist. And what happens is, is that we have to get real with ourselves and we have to say, this is me, guys. This is who we are. You have a story. I have a story. We all have stories. And when our stories collide and they're real, God begins to move. There's a lot of hurt out there. There's a lot of God-formed babies out there that do not know that God formed them. And they need to hear that love. They need to hear that truth. And they simply just need to surrender their lives to Christ, even in the midst of your fear of saying, I don't know how to do that. Here's the cool part. I didn't have to do it. God did that. Amen? God did that. Whatever fear you are saying, go to God and say, God, this is what I'm anxious for. But then be prepared because he's gonna do some amazing stuff in your life. And maybe your story is not like my story, but you still have a story. And so I'm gonna close in prayer and I'm gonna do something that I didn't get to do with my dad. I'm gonna just send an invitation out and saying, maybe you're ready to surrender your life to Christ. May you're saying, going, I am tired of trying to do it my way. I need to ask God to search me. I need to go to him right now. And then what we're gonna do is we're gonna close in a video that I think kind of encompasses, it's, a, it's a based off of, a, it's a movie, but in that video, it's gonna show you somebody who went from something that was very fearful to who used her gift and said, this is me, this is what I, who I am, and you saw just a choir just join them and saying, man, God, you can use people across this world. So let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll play this video, and then you're gonna be dismissed. And man, memorize that verse, because God's gonna use you if you're ready.